0: It's a good day because I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. But before I talk about the Holy Spirit, I need to pray because it would be really dumb for me to preach about the Holy Spirit without the power of the Holy Spirit, wouldn't it? You agree with me? Thank you very much. Let's pray. I don't know why you're coughing. God, I think they're clapping for you. We're clapping for the Holy Spirit. We ask you to come upon this place. Um, I ask you to be with me and be involved in uh, what it is that I'm getting ready to say and to do. And uh, I know the devil doesn't want this to happen, so we pray against the powers of the evil one as we did last weekend. As we talk about the supernatural, we talk about some of these things, Lord. We just ask that you would be with us as we try to figure out how to uh, understand this kind of crazy thing. About the fact that there is a Spirit, there is a Holy Spirit that is involved inside of us. And I ask these things in your name. Amen. Alright, let's talk. Um, I went from emptiness to to uh, full house at my house. We had, it was just Denise and I. And one dog and no cat because they're of the devil, as I told you last week. And uh, and we got we we went from that to all of a sudden, you know, we we're digging the empty nest. I think I got you that right. All of a sudden, now we're uh, Lauren's home and she's getting married in two weeks. You're all invited. Two weeks from Sunday, June 24th, two o'clock in the afternoon. You're all invited. Really seriously, we'd love to have you come. Two weeks she's getting married, so she's home. Becca's home uh, from college, uh, working the summer. Um, Abby, the Bolivian, um, you know, foster child that my daughter brought home with her, the souvenir my daughter brought home from Bolivia, is living with us for a little while. And Megan, my niece, who works at Restoration Ministry, is living in our house. And next week, Barbara, who's from the Czech Republic that lived with us for a while, is coming to live with us as well. So I have gone from the empty nest to the International House of Estrogen. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's pretty crazy at my house and, uh, and made it all the more interesting when two chipmunks decided to invade our basement. <laughs> two chipmunks took me a week to get rid of them, okay? A week because, you know, when, and we wouldn't have even known they were down there except people had to sleep down in the basement. That was awesome. So they had to sleep down there. So we had to go down, you know, take care of them. And it was kind of like, it was like Christmas vacation, you know? Squirrel! I mean, you know, where's Cousin Eddie? Doesn't he eat these things? I'm like, you know... Um, They're high in cholesterol, Clark, right? We're going through the whole thing and it's crazy at our house because when there's an unwanted visitor in our midst, it kind of makes things a little crazy. There's a classic Ray Stevens song, since I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, this kind of, this is my segue, okay? Classic Ray Stevens song called the Mississippi Squirrel Revival. If you're interested, go home and look it up on YouTube. It's about, it's about, Ray Stevens writes about this boy who brings a squirrel to church and lets it go, and it causes basically a revival to happen in this church as it crawls up people's pant legs and they say, something's got a hold of me, and you know, the the first self-righteous church, all of a sudden they got the Spirit of God, and he wraps up by saying uh, it was a fight for survival that broke out in revival. I got to have these. All right. Uh, there 's a fight for survival that broke out in revival. And um, that's kind of what happened. So uh, we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, talking about how uh, the Holy Spirit comes upon us today. And I know that that scares you a little bit because you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't want something crawling up my pant leg. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in this foreign object being inside of me and, and scaring the daylights out of me. And how many of you grew up in a church where the Holy Spirit was called the Holy Ghost. All right, let me see your hands. That's freaky, isn't it? I mean, like the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost. What, what is that, Casper or Scooby-Doo? What were you doing with that one, right? When you were a kid, you're like, okay. Well, let me explain the whole thing to you. Just before God ascended into heaven, Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, he said, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And what we see happening is that in Acts chapter 2, in the very next chapter, the Holy Spirit just blows the church up, and crazy things start to happen. And Peter gets up to preach, and he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you... And for your children, children's children, children's children, and all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. If you're here today because you believe the Lord your God has called you, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have that available to you. And I'm not so sure that that was comforting to them when, when they had just seen a mini tornado show up and tongues of fire come and sit on people's heads and people speak in languages that they'd never learned before. But it had to be a little bit intriguing. And it has to be a little bit intriguing to you. I've been reading a book on the subject by Francis Chan called The Forgotten God. He calls the Holy Spirit the forgotten God, the forgotten part of the Trinity. And he says this, the epistles tell us of the Holy Spirit's amazing power at work in us. Our spirit enabled ability to put our sin to death through him and the supernatural gifts he gives us. If we read and believe these accounts, we would expect a great deal of the Holy Spirit. He would not be a mostly forgotten member of the Godhead, whom we occasionally give a nod of recognition to, which is what he has become in most American churches. We would expect that our new life with the Holy Spirit would look radically different than our old life without him. And I have to start You know, asking myself, well, what about me? Does my new life look different than my old life? And what about Parkview? I mean, you can look at Parkview and you say, well, there's amazing things going on. I believe the Holy Spirit's here. And I do. I I do. I believe the Holy Spirit is is the reason why we're all here and why we did 700 child sponsorships a couple of weeks ago for kids in Ecuador and in Africa and why there are churches planted all over the world because of uh, the things that we're doing and one getting ready to be planted in Ireland and all kinds of stuff going on and thousands of people being baptized and tens of thousands of people showing up at, at holiday services. But is there a point? Is there a point where we get to the place where we start to do things in our own power without the Spirit? One of the most haunting, pun intended quotes about the Holy Spirit is one I heard many years ago from the late Dr. A.W. Tozer, who said this. He said, If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference I mean think about it if the Holy Spirit was gone would we know if the Holy Spirit was gone back then they'd know if the Holy Spirit was gone now would they know love the old story the old timer who uh was a woodsman and, and he went to the hardware store to buy a saw, buy a, you know, a saw to cut wood with one day. And he, and he, so he goes to the hardware store and he hadn't been there for a long time. And the salesman shows him the top of the line brand new chainsaw. And he says, listen, this, this is the top of the line chainsaw we've got. This, this, this saw is guaranteed to cut ten cords of wood a day. And the old timer bought it, took it off, came back a couple days later, it looked really ragged, really tired. He said, look, I don't know what's wrong with this saw. I used to be able to cut four cords of wood with my old saw, and I can only cut three cords of wood with this saw. What's the deal? And the salesman goes, well, I don't know, let me go see. So I got a wood in the back, let's go see it. So he goes out to the back, and he pulls the cord, and the saw goes, vroom. And the old timer goes, What's that noise? That, that's the difference between a Christian or a church that is operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and one that is operating outside of the Holy Spirit. Back to Chan. I don't want my life, he said, to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I want people to look at my life and know that I couldn't be doing this by my own power. I want to live in such a way that I am desperate for him to come through, and that if he doesn't come through, I'm screwed. Isn't that good? I love that. I want to live in such a way that there's no you could look at me and go, there's no way that could be him. Okay, that just can't happen. So just before he died... Jesus said in John chapter 14, I will ask the Father, and He will give you the Counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now, I can't explain the wind to you, but I can help you hoist a sail. So I want to try to, in this sermon, help you to understand who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, how we can have Him. Okay? John 14:26. He went on to say, But the Counselor, whom the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, will teach you all things. And He will remind you of everything I have said to you. So number one thing that the Holy Spirit does is He teaches us the truth. I mean, think about this for a second, okay? These disciples have been with Jesus for three years. He's taught them a whole lot of stuff. There's no way they can remember all this stuff. There's no way I can remember this stuff. It gets worse as you get older, am I right? Am I right? I mean, I'm just looking at some of you older people, Okay. (laughs) Two old guys were talking about their favorite restaurant one day, and the one old guy turned to the other one and said, "Oh man, I had to. Buy it. I went to the best restaurant the other day." And the other guy said, well, "What was it called?" And he said, ah, "I can't remember. What's the name of that flower that has like long stems and it smells good and that has thorns on it?" And the other guy goes, "A rose." The guy goes, "Yeah, that's it. Rose. What was the name of that restaurant we ate at last week?" That's what it's like for me. I don't know, I don't know about you, but that's what it's like for me. With their own memories and their own power, they would have distorted the truth. They would have contradicted each other. This is why this is so cool. Listen to 2 Peter 1.21. The whole Bible was compiled by the Holy Spirit. Prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's why 40 different authors over 1,500 years on three different continents could put this book together, and it would all make sense. Because it wasn't written by man. It was written by God. It was written by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of you to help you to understand it. You say, well, I I don't know how to understand the Bible. I know know there are parts that are hard. There are parts I don't understand, but that's what the Holy Spirit does to help me. And He can help you. He teaches us truth. Number two, He does the power. He gives us power to do the impossible. Power to do the impossible. The first church started with 120 people. No millionaires, no politicians, no powerful people, no really talented people. It was just a weak, ineffective huddle of very scared people up in an upper room. 120 of them. They pray, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And here's the beginning of the church. When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separating them and coming to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit had enabled them. The Holy Spirit gives them miraculous, supernatural power. They speak in languages that they couldn't speak. They, there's this... Fire comes down and appears on their head later on. We find out that they heal the sick. They raise the dead It was unbelievable. It was spectacular. It was the power of God So you're like, well, is he working that way today? I mean is that gonna happen to him? Are you gonna you know do a Michael Jackson and all of a sudden there's a fire on your head? What, what's gonna happen? I don't know it, it, it is happening in some places today It could happen in some places today, but our job is not to look for that kind of power At at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit had to explode on the scene because nobody knew what any of this was about. There was no word of God in that point. There was no Christianity in that point. The Holy Spirit had to be really, really crazy and come upon really, really strong and do some miraculous things. But he also decided to work through the church through the long haul. One writer said the power of the Holy Spirit promised in the first chapter of Acts is not given so that the Christian can enjoy an unusual religious experience. It is given so that the Christian may take the gospel to the world. That's why the Holy Spirit is here. And Galatians 5 says we live by the Spirit. Okay? And you can try to reproduce all the explosion of Pentecost if you want, and there are churches that try to do that, and God bless them, that's all well and good. But listen, here's how I feel about it, okay? I can use combustion to make a big explosion, or I can harness combustion in an engine and let it power me for 300 miles on a gas tank. Okay? That's what I believe the Holy Spirit is here for us now. The word is dunamis. It's the word power. But it is a power that we can harness so that it helps us to live our life. And it happened in the early church. And the church just exploded as people went out and told other people, and they told other people, and they had the power, the amazing power of God. And when you look at what goes on around here sometimes, you could say the same thing. You could say, well, there's no way that a non-Catholic church could grow to 6,000 people a weekend in the south suburbs of Chicago. You can say, there's no way, that that marriage can't be saved, those people hate each other. That guy, he can't be redeemed, I mean, he's an ex-con, he's a drug addict. There's no reason to pray for that person. The doctor said, it was stage four terminal. And I've seen all of those things happen, and so have you. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's here for. The early church was also given the Holy Spirit so that they could testify to the invisible. Acts 1, verse 8. Jesus says, here's what's going to happen. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. For what reason? So you can have a fun experience, so that you can do these fun things. No, so that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other parts of the world. That's why. You've given power so that you can go tell people. I heard about a jogger that was jogging one day through the cemetery. And um, just take a shortcut through the cemetery. I don't recommend this. Uh, he was just is like getting tired, and he went through the cemetery and he fell in a freshly dug grave. And, and, you know, it hadn't been used yet, so it was way down there, and he couldn't get out. I mean, he tried climbing, he tried yelling, he didn't have his cell phone. He tried yelling, he tried climbing, he couldn't get out. So he just kind of settled back in the back of the hole and thought, well, I guess I'll just spend the night here. Pretty soon another jogger came along. Took the same dumb route, fell in the same dumb hole, started yelling, trying to climb out, couldn't get out, you know, to no avail. Finally, the first guy put his hand on the second guy's shoulder and said, it's no use, you can't get out. But he did. I'm talking about the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to go out and do something. He says to his disciples, you're going to be empowered to get out of here and go take my message and go out. And think about who these disciples were, okay? Remember who these apostles and these disciples were. Never, ever once does Jesus ever say, you guys are so great, you finally get this. Does he? He never goes, hey, wow, well, you guys, you've got so much faith. I'm so proud of you. This is really, really awesome. Never. These are the disciples that are always blowing it. This is Peter who, who says, Jesus, I would die for you. And, Peter, and Jesus goes, yeah, right. Three times tonight you're going to deny me. And Peter says, no, no, it'll never happen. And what does he do? He goes out and he denies Jesus three times. One out of 12 of these disciples were at the cross. Only one of them had the guts to even show up. They're all hiding. Jesus raises from the dead. The women come and say, hey, Jesus rose from the dead. They're like, no, he didn't. Come on, get out of here. Thomas says, you show me the scars. That's who I'm talking about. These frightened, scaredy-cat people who are hanging out in the upper room, these are the ones to whom the Holy Spirit gives the power to go out and start the church. And, and it's just crazy the way the church gets started. 3,000 converts on the very first day. By the time we get to Acts chapter 4, there's 5,000 men, which means there's 15,000 women and children probably by that time, right? Because there's always more of them at church than guys, right? And, And and it just keeps going and going and going. It gets to Acts chapter 4, verse 33. It says, With great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. By the time you get to Acts 8, and persecution spreads the church out to all the othermost parts of the world, it's estimated that 100,000 people were a part of the first church of Jerusalem in a town that was 200,000 people strong. And 2,000 years later, we see the gospel exploding in China. And in North Korea and in Cuba, as well as the other, parts of the other parts of the world, in the crazy parts of the world, it's really blowing up. In Africa, it's going crazy in other parts of the world. How is that possible? Well, it's not possible because a, a group of people decided to spread this message. It's only possible because of the Holy power of the Holy Spirit. And that power is available to us. I love the story of the man one day who was out on a walk and he happened upon this farmhouse that he'd never seen before and he looked and, and there was what looked to him to be a man standing in the distance at a pump and he was pumping water out of this pump and from a distance it looked like this guy was just pumping and he kept watching and this guy was pumping and pumping and pumping and he never slowed down and he watched him for a while because he was intrigued by the whole thing and finally he said I gotta go meet this guy I mean he's just not slowing down and as he walked over closer he realized that there wasn't a man at all. It was a, you know, it was a plywood cutout that somebody had made of a man. And it, when the guy's hand was attached to the pump, because the pump was pumping by itself. It was an artesian well. It was flowing water out, and the pump was just flowing. The guy wasn't doing anything. It was a fake guy whose hand was just doing this. The pump was fueling the guy instead of the guy fueling the pump. That's what I'm talking about, the power of the Holy Spirit, in the first chapter, of, in the first part of the book of Acts. That's what should be going on in, in, in the last part of the 20, 20th century, 21st century, as we look upon the power of the Holy Spirit to do power here. What else did he do? To love the unlovable. You go on. The Holy Spirit gave them power to love the unlovable. The believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them the power to love the unlovely. The Holy Spirit gave them power to sacrifice so that the needs of the poor could be met. They gave up meat, they gave up their houses so that they could meet for small groups. They worshiped together. This was different races, this is different economic groups, different people all coming together in the first church. Because the power of God gave them the ability to love, to love each other. In the book, Love is an Open Door, the author said, I envision a day when a stranger could walk into any city or go to any business and say, Would you please direct me to the church in your city that loves? And without any hesitation, the proprietor would be able to tell him exactly about a body of believers. That was true in the first century. It should be true here. It should be true now. Because love is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's not something we can do on our own. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. They're not the fruits of Tim. They're not the fruits of you. They're the fruits of the Spirit living inside of us. Francis Chan said, I don't know about you, but I cannot muster up enough. I can't muster up more love in my life. I can't manufacture patience by gritting my teeth and determining to be more patient. We're not strong enough, we're not good enough, and it doesn't work that way. None of us can do goodness on our own, much less all the other elements that make up the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to give us the power. Fourth, fifth thing is that the Holy Spirit intercedes with prayer. This is one of the crazy ones. In the way, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. But we don't know how to pray. Some people come, you know what, Tim, I don't know how to pray. How should I pray? Well, I always point them back to the Lord's Prayer, and and I say, just have a conversation with God, just like He was your friend, because He is your friend, He's your Father. Just have a a conversation with God. But if you get confused, or you just feel like, man, I don't even know what it is I'm feeling right now, guess what? You don't have to worry. Listen to this. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, and we don't know what we ought to pray for. The Holy Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. If you've ever been in a situation, and probably most of you have at some point in your life, where you were just so down, you were so hurt, physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever, that you just felt like, you know what, I just can't pray. You don't have to worry. Because the Holy Spirit's inside of you. If you have Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is inside of you, and He's praying for you. I'm not saying you shouldn't try. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, but the Holy Spirit is there for us. That's the power inside that doesn't come from us. Somebody summed it up this way. When we're weak, the Holy Spirit is our advocate. When we're confused, the Holy Spirit is our instructor. When we're hurting, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. When we're in need, He's our helper. When we've failed, He's our counselor. When we're lacking, He's our partner. When we're confused, He's our guide. I believe that the Christian walk looks a lot like Stacy King was a rookie from Oklahoma who played for the Bulls for several years. Remember remember Stacy King? Stacy King, he never made a big career for himself in the NBA, but because he was from the University of Oklahoma, I followed him a little bit and and when he first got in the NBA, he was playing back he was playing for the Bulls, playing with Michael and Scotty back in that era. And and there was one game where Michael Jordan scored 69 points and Stacy King got in at the end of the game and made two free throws. And a reporter asked him about uh, you know, something later on, a couple of days later, they said, Stacy, what's been your most memorable moment in the NBA so far? And without hesitation, he said, well, I'll never forget tonight. Michael Jordan and I combined to score 71 points. <laughs> if I could really sum up for you what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do in our life, that's really it, you know? I I I might get a free throw every once in a while, you know, our staff, our elders, whatever, they might get a free throw every once in a while. We might do some things to add to what's going on. We'll try to get, you know, things, make it possible for you to find God. But this is all about the Holy Spirit. This is all about what God does. How do we enable the Holy Spirit to flow through us? That's the question, okay? How do we get the Holy Spirit to flow through us? That's what I want to know. Well, a couple of things. First of all, they were obedient. You got to be obedient. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait. And they did. They didn't try to go on their own. They waited. They obeyed. Now, let me just tell you this, okay? If you're a member of Parkview Christian Church, if you're a part of Parkview Christian Church, I want to really encourage you to obey God. Okay? Shock. I really want to do that. Not just because it's the best way for you to lie. I'm not saying you need to be perfect. We're a bunch of imperfect people. But I, if you're living in purposeful disobedience to God right now, please knock it off. Because you're dragging down the whole place. You need to obey God. You need to do what God told you to do and listen to him. In the Old Testament, there's a story of one guy named Achan who had disobeyed God and he went and stole some stuff and he put it in his tent and he buried it in his tent. And every time the Israelites went out to try to do something, they kept failing and failing and failing. And finally, they were like, God, what's up? And God's like, one of you, one of you is living in disobedience. His name's Achan. They went over, they found Achan, and they took care of the problem because one person could bring down the rest of us. They were obedient. If one person had gone out and tried to start the church on their own, they would have failed miserably. They would have gotten stoned. It would have been horrible. You've got to obey God, okay? That's the first thing that they did. And the second thing they did is they prayed. Shock. I would talk about prayer at church, right? But, but please don't minimize this. Please don't roll your eyes at me and go, okay, well, he's a... You, you gotta keep praying for the Holy Spirit. You gotta keep praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, why is that, Tim? I mean, it, it says that in Acts chapter 2 that they constantly join together in prayer. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, if you then though are evil, know how to give, thank you very much Jesus, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So I'm supposed to ask for the Holy Spirit. Why do I keep asking for the Holy Spirit? Somebody asked Dwight L. Moody that one time. Why do you keep asking for the Holy Spirit? He gave the classic answer. Because I leak. I keep praying for the Holy Spirit to come in and He fills me up and I go and I do what God wants me to do. But then I leak because I'm human. So I keep coming back and I keep praying. You know the largest church in the world is in Seoul, Korea. The church of over half a million members, they have an auditorium bigger than the United Center. And they fill it up multiple times. And they're successful because of a couple of things one of them is that they're successful because they've got everybody in a small group Everybody's in a group of ten everybody's in a small group so that they're accountable to each other and sometimes they even tell Small groups you can only come on the first week of the month because we need to let all the other small groups come on The other weeks and I mean they they run everything that way because they got a half a million people that go to this church Okay, there's no way that can work but if you would talk to Pastor Cho, and ask him what the real secret to the success of the largest church in the world is, he would say it is the tens of thousands of people that come on Saturday morning and they sit in the auditorium and they pray for what God is going to do over the weekend services. It's about those people that come every week and pray. Can I please, let me encourage you, number one, be obedient. I'm not saying that you know, you're know you going to be perfect people, but live in obedience if you're a part of this group because we've got stuff to do. And the second thing I want to encourage you to do is pray. It's not, it's not some like add-on thing to anything that we do in this church. It's a part of our small groups. It's a part of our church services. It's a part of everything we do. And I implore you, to pray for me to pray for us to pray for the Holy Spirit to come look here's a perfect opportunity next weekend is Father's Day it's goofy as heck we do the dumbest stuff on Father's Day if you show up next week you are gonna be amazed at how stupid I am that's all I can tell you it started like seven years ago and it became a tradition and now I have to do it every year and it's going to happen but you know what also happens on Father's Day it's one of our biggest years, biggest weekends of the year. Because people can invite, you know, some guy, that does, their dad or their husband or whatever, who doesn't normally come and they can say, please come on Father's Day because I guarantee you Pastor Tim's going to do something really stupid in church. And it's over the top this time, I'm telling you. And there's a car show and a bike show and all this stuff. So here's what I want you to do. A, invite the guys that wouldn't normally come and tell them I'm going to do something stupid. And B... I want you to pray all week for what the Holy Spirit is going to do here next week. Because it's going to be a powerful, powerful Father's Day. I want to encourage you to pray. That's not an afterthought, that's something that they did. As a matter of fact, it says um, in Acts chapter 4:31, listen to this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and, and spoke the word of God boldly. When? After they prayed. Third thing that they did that that, that enabled them to have the power of the Holy Spirit is they exalted Jesus Christ. See, they didn't call attention to themselves. They didn't get up and go, "Oh, look at me! I can speak in languages I never learned before. I have the power to heal. I have the power to do miracles." They never did any of that stuff. Every time the early church kept coming back to worshiping Jesus Christ. Please understand that it's not about me. I don't want it to be about me. I don't want to be a rock star. I don't want to be. I don't want to be that guy. It can't be. It can't be about me. It can't be about this building. It can't be about our programs. It has to be about Jesus Christ, and, and we're exalting Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, "If." I am lifted up I'll draw all people to me that's how the Holy Spirit works all right so two what are what are the obstacles Francis Chan listed two obstacles that I thought were really really great okay be obedient and pray and lift up Jesus Christ that makes sense what are the obstacles a couple of real obvious obstacles number one comfort comfort that really hit me because I'm kind of comfortable you know are you comfortable I mean, we live here we live in america i got the things that i need i got health care i'm working on a retirement you know portfolio i got i got things covered i'm comfortable if if i want if i want to be in, in a place where the holy spirit's going to work i need to be in a place remember the quote i started with in a place where if god doesn't show up i'm screwed i love that that's great that's where i've been all the way through this church and i'm afraid What happens if we get to the point where I'm comfortable, and I hope you are too? Somebody said a pastor's job is to afflict the comforted and comfort the afflicted. So if you're afflicted today, I want to comfort you, but if, if you're comforted, I want to afflict you. I want to challenge you to go out and do something. Get yourself out of your comfort zone. Go talk to somebody. Go start a ministry. Go get involved in a ministry. Go do something. Go on a missions trip. Do something where you get out of your comfort zone so that the Holy Spirit has to show up. Uh, Francis Chan talked about interviewing some prisoners of war who had been prisoners of war in Korea. And he said as he was interviewing them, it was really interesting to hear their stories about how close to God they were while they were prisoners of war. And now they've come back, and they're rescued, and they're glad to be back with their families. But they kind of missed the camaraderie that they had with God when they were prisoners of war. And one of them even had the guts to say, you know, sometimes I kind of wish I was still there. Comfort. And the second one is volume. Volume. i sh- I love that we could just sit here and be quiet for a minute right now, because, you know, there's no cell phone, there's no no internet, no TV, nothing else. I mean, that's when we know that the Holy Spirit is here. That's when we feel the Holy Spirit. Elijah the prophet wanted to see God, and so God was like, boom, here's an earthquake, boom, here's a big fire, boom, here's a big tornado. And Elijah kept thinking, well, that's God, that's God, that's God. And after all those things went away, he heard God in a, what, still, small voice, The psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And take some time every day and be still and shut up and let God show up in your life. One more time. I don't want my life, Chance said, to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I want people to look at my life and know that I couldn't be doing this by my own power. I want to live in such a way that I'm desperate for Him to come through, that if He doesn't come through, I'm screwed. What about you? I mean, Christ can heal you. He can forgive you. He can, he can, take you to heaven someday. But He also wants to give you the Holy Spirit. Peter, when they asked Peter, Peter said, "Repent and be baptized." We've had baptisms all weekend. Maybe you need to get baptized. I, maybe there's something in obedience that you need to give over to God. Maybe it's comfort in your life. Maybe, maybe it's stillness in your life and its volume in your life whatever it is that you need to do to get the holy spirit of god into your life maybe it's obedience i don't know what it is whatever it is i want to encourage you to think about that as we end the service i want to encourage you one of the classic movies of all time is the matrix okay any matrix fans in here okay thomas anderson is this uh you know he's this guy who finds out right it's a spiritual movie. He finds out that the, invisible, <clears throat> the for, invisible forces are really controlling the visible forces. And he has to make a decision. If he's going to take the red pill or the blue pill, he's going to take one pill and go back to pretending that there is no invisible spiritual force out there controlling everything. Or he's going to take the other pill and decide to fight this battle and to be involved in this invisible warfare. My friends, it's the same Thing that we have going on for us right now. You get to choose. You can, you can walk out of here and go, oh, that was nice. I like mosaic. They were wonderful. And you can go do your own thing. And you can take that pill. And Well, I'm sure they're supernatural, but I don't need to worry about that. I'm comfortable. I've got my thing. Or you can literally, during communion right now, invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life Even if you've been a Christian for a long time, invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life in a new way and say, Lord, I've been leaking a lot lately. I need you to come in here and fill me up because I need power. I need you to come in here and turn the chainsaw on, man. It's time for something to happen in my life, to overcome sin, to, to talk to my friends about Jesus, to do whatever. I need something to happen. I need you to come in. I give you the opportunity to do that. What we're going to do right now is we're going to give... I've got to play this video for you because it, it was just perfect for me. And then Mosaic's going to come out and do this song. And you probably don't know it. It's just a song. Uh, it's just an opportunity for you to take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And then we'll do communion. The video is what I'm hoping is going to happen for you in the next few moments. It's a video of a two-year-old kid who is deaf and gets fitted with a hearing device, and for the very first time gets to hear his mother's voice. And I want you to see the reaction on this kid's face, because I am praying for you. I believe that this same thing can happen to you right now as you start to hear the voice of God and realize that He's really there and He's really speaking to you. Let's pray together. Lord God, we... Sorry for forgetting the Holy Spirit. I mean, we don't really understand it we we don't we don't grasp it, but Jesus, you did say it would be better for you not to be here so that we could have the Holy Spirit. so evidently this this part of you that that we don't really understand that well, this power that you've given us, the counselor the the one who's going to guide us in truth and give us power and help us to testify and and, and is going to enable us to be the people that you want us to be it's better for him to be here than for you to be here in person jesus so as we come to communion time right now we're going to remember what you did for us but this communion could be our red pill blue pill moment it could be our moment where we decide we're going to keep living in the flesh we're going to keep living in the physical we're going to keep living our life on our own or it could be the time when we decide we're going to take the other pill and we're going to we're going to eat the bread and we're going to drink the juice and we're going to repent of our sins and we're going to follow You, and we're going to obey You. And Part of that may mean baptism for some of us. It may mean obedience in a whole lot of other ways for a lot of other people. And it may mean that we're going to pray for You on a daily basis, at least for the next week, that we're going to offer up prayers for You, and what, to, to you and what You're going to do in our life. And we're going, to, we're going to get still. We're going to spend some time in Your Word. We're going to realize that we are in a spiritual battle. That our battle is not with flesh and blood, but it's in the powers of in the principalities of darkness. It's light and darkness. It's it's more than we understand. So we need to submit ourselves to you and exalt you. We're gonna do that right now. We're gonna take this communion. We're gonna admit that we need you. There may be people in this room who need to just do that right now, just to say, Jesus. As I eat this and drink this, I'm going to acknowledge the fact that you are the Son of God and you died for me, and I'm going to take you in as my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to give my heart over to you for all of us. It's a time every week we do this at Parkview because we leak. We leak. We, We need you to come in and fill us every week with your Spirit so that we can go back out there and have your fruits in our life. Lord, be with us as we commune right now, and thank you that we get to do this, that we get to be here. Thank you that your Spirit is here inside of me, inside of the people that are here in this room. We ask the Spirit to fall upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.